0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of We Watch Shudder. It is extra spooky Spooktober. It's actually June nineteenth. You know, guys, we spent the whole year (laughs) recording these. Got to tell you, every single time, it's it's. I mean, we don't, but it's just in case they forget. They're gonna be mad at us the second
1: episode. Oh yeah! By the end of the month, they're gonna be.
0: They're gonna be so (laughs) mad that we keep pointing it out. Sometimes this is just for us. Just for us. Uh, so, as, as you know, here on We Watch Shudder, we've been talking about... Uh, oh, but I almost forgot. My name's JD, and who's here with me?
1: It's Michelle! It's
0: Michelle, everybody. It's
1: always Michelle. Uh,
0: yeah, so uh, here on We Watch Shudder, that's what we do. We watch uh, movies on the Shudder streaming service. Uh, original and exclusive titles from Shudder. Uh, every week we do the new one. They've been putting out one a week pretty much uh, all year. Every now and then they miss one, but they they're pretty consistent, pretty impressive. This uh, this month though, in October, we're taking that kind of 30 days of horror movies October concept and going back and catching up on some of the titles that were released before we started the show. Uh, And we've had a lot of interesting movies to talk about this month. Uh, Today, though, uh, we have a a particularly unique one. Uh, Michelle, why is that?
1: Uh, Because it is a documentary instead of a
0: horror movie itself. Right. What we're talking about today is the documentary film Leap of Faith, William Friedkin on The Exorcist. Uh, like we do I'm gonna go ahead and hit you with the uh, the official description from the shutter website here uh, a lyrical and spiritual cinematic essay on the Exorcist leap of faith explores the uncharted depths of William Friedkin's mind's eye the nuances of his filmmaking process and the mysteries of faith and fate that have slapped or have slapped, <laughs> have <laughs> shaped his life and filmography as told by the man himself. The film marks the sixth feature documentary from Alexander O. Philippe, uh, continuing his thoughtful analysis of iconic genre films. A shutter original. Michelle! Baha! Tell us your uh, your spoiler free. I don't know if there aren't really spoilers for a documentary, but tell us your your basic introductory thoughts on this film.
1: Okay, so my uh, spoiler-free thoughts are the same as my regular thoughts. Um, So I would say that watching this documentary and then watching The Exorcist again, um, that is a 5 out of 5 experience. You learn a lot from William Friedkin. I think it is an interesting approach um, to have just one man talking about what is obviously a very well-loved movie. Um, There are no other actors or anything else. At one point an interviewer asks a question, but aside from that, it is just William Friedkin monologuing. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it felt kind of like a college lecture at times, and... There's a uh, like I've mixed feelings about that because that's not my preference to learning information, but it does get very, very interesting, even in that format um, partway through. So I think there are going to be a lot of people who watch this religiously um, and get a lot of uh, information um, from him about how he made this film and taking tips and really listening to his guidance. Um, for me, that wasn't really it, but I was still fascinated. So I will give it a four out of five spells for me. And that is not a reflection on the movie itself, which is right. obviously a five out of five.
0: Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right there. Like uh, on paper, uh, frankly, this sounds like the most dull and boring film in the world, <laughs> even for a documentary. It is literally a one-sided conversation about the making of the film and the thought processes behind the film. Uh, it's a one-sided conversation about that with William Friedkin. He's the only person on screen. It's it's just him talking about the movie, interspersed with footage from the film, uh, You know, showing the things he's talking about, uh, or clips from some of his other films, because they do talk about other films that he made, uh, including uh, The French Connection and uh, the the one with Roy Scheider who, uh, that I'm forgetting the name of now, and I feel terrible because I should know it. <laughs> anyway, uh, and, and, but, and yes, every now and then you do hear uh, the voice of, of Alexander Philippe off camera asking a question, but it's just those two guys having a conversation, and then they just show us uh, Friedkin's side of the conversation. But if, as you said, because Michelle and I both uh, watched the documentary uh, and then watched the, the film, uh, The Exorcist, uh, uh, afterwards, I've seen The Exorcist a bunch of times, I've seen Leap of Faith once before, and you're absolutely right, that experience, these two as a package deal, five skulls experience it's super cool they, sh- they should market it that way this documentary should just segue right into the film at the end of it mm-hmm. and be like a four-hour thing and it's totally worth it um if you are already a fan of the exorcist this is must see it is a master class in understanding where a director was coming from, why he did what he did. Uh it reveals some things that frankly are a little troubling about how they mm-hmm. made this film. <laughs> uh and some things that you like people say, oh, you'd never be able to make that movie in today's day and age. Well, that might not be a bad thing. Uh, but uh no, it's uh it's certainly not something that a random viewer is going to want to wander into. If you've never seen The Exorcist, don't watch this movie. You're going to hate it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it's uh, like, see the, if you've never seen The Exorcist, definitely see The Exorcist first and then definitely watch Leap of Faith. And And then
1: then watch the movie again for the 5 out of 5 experience.
0: Yeah, and and if you have seen the movie, you just skip that first part. You watch Leap of Faith, and then you watch The Exorcist again. Uh, Yeah, the film itself, uh, because of that limitation in its uh, its potential audience, uh, I I think I'm going to agree with you there. I'm going to go a solid four skulls on this one. Uh, but, again, the overall experience with the two together was super, super cool. Um, yeah. I don't know that there's really anything we need to worry about on spoilers here. But, you know, just in case, if you don't want any of those secrets or details about how things happened in The Exorcist spoiled for you, go ahead and hit that pause button right now. All right. So, um <laughs> First thing, Michelle, uh, let me ask yes. you, out of all mm-hmm. the things, so you obviously had seen The Exorcist, uh, uh, I would hope, at least several times uh, before several you times, saw this yeah. film, right? Yep. So, and, and myself likewise, both the original theatrical version and the uh, the extended version with the... Uh, uh, the added, the, what do they call it when it came out in 2000? The version you've never seen before. And it's like, yeah, that's because this version has never existed before. Uh, so why are you put it on me, bro? Uh, but uh, uh, out of everything you learned about The Exorcist in Leap of Faith, what was the most impactful, most surprising what one thing about the process of this film did you come away with the, the craziest uh, experience of from Leap of Faith?
1: I'm glad when you ask me these interview questions that I always have an answer because one day you're going to give me this pop quiz and I'm going to have no idea. But I have a very, very good answer for this. Um, what I found surprising That's is that. At... Side
0: note, before you say it, I just want to <laughs> yeah. butter myself up. That's because I'm really good at asking questions. <laughs>
1: I am not good at finding out answers.
0: Um, Of course you have an answer to that question. (laughs) That's why I asked it. Tell us.
1: Smart. Smart. Okay. Um, Although you don't know this answer, I will tell you it now. Anyway, um, I found it surprising that at the beginning um, part of what I didn't like for the first like 20 minutes is that a lot of the question or his answer to why is I don't fucking know that's just my instinct of like why did (laughs) but like it was it was just like I'm not learning anything he's just like this is instinct this is just a thing you know so it wasn't like helping me learn and that's why it gets much better into the middle of the film however the part that surprised me and I definitely made a note because we had to talk about it is that for so much of it he was like this is my vision I am not wavering this is the music we need this is the cast I need even if uh, I'm going to lose a lot of money by paying off this guy because we're not using him after all this is how I see it And then at the very end of the film, somebody told him that the priest has to morph back into himself and then commit suicide. And he went, I don't know why we did that. No one can say why. And I'm like, why is that the one thing that you wavered on? And I don't disagree with the decision I think that was the right way to do it but the fact that he doesn't know why and he lets somebody else tell him how to end it is very surprising to me
0: right and and here's I okay so that's not the moment that I landed on myself for this same question Mm -hmm. which of course is also the real reason I ask you the question is because I (laughs) want to answer it uh but uh that was a, a close like I was shocked not so much by the fact that he did—he does admit to wavering there, and that he doesn't like. I was more shocked by the fact that he doesn't understand why that was. Like he's like, I would challenge uh-huh. anybody who saw the film to explain to. Here's why, man. It's very, very simple. Uh, the demon has gone from Reagan into Father Karras, and that's the moment where. Father, care. It, it, it's not that the demon has left him. It's that he's overcome the demon long enough to take over his body mm-hmm. again and have enough time to jump out the window. And that's the yep. moment where he's saying, okay, even if, because he's like, you know, uh, suicide is a mortal sin, you know. And if the message is supposed to be that he's gotten his faith back, why would he do that? Uh, and I think... It's a brilliant example of him getting his faith back because it's him saying, come on, there's no real way that if all of this is real, that God is going to condemn me to hell because I killed myself to save this girl from a demon. Right. Mm -hmm. And I so I've. It just always that ending always made sense to me. And I'm very surprised that he did say I was like, I don't really understand why we did that. That's not <laughs> how I wanted to do it. What are you talking about, man? It's a perfect. ending. Yep.
1: He he was so headstrong on everything. And then the one thing that, like, makes a very good ending and makes sense is the thing that he's like, no one can tell me why. And I'm like, I have always thought I knew why. Do you not know why? Are you not in right. on the Joker? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's the,
0: that was. The, I, I was like, wait. You this do, is your movie. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't know why. I thought it was a, a perfect element to the story. Yeah. Um, the thing that I wanted to mention uh, that caused me to ask that question is um, it's actually it's something that I've learned more and more. Like we talked about, uh, I mentioned just briefly a moment ago. Uh, I've learned from this film. Uh, and from some other documentaries about the making of uh, some of my favorite horror films from the 1970s, um, there was a period of time where I don't know that I can, I, I have a, a certain amount of guilt over enjoying these movies after I understand how they were made. Like he's talking in the <laughs> beginning of the film about how, you know, in that that scene right at the very end where the the other priest has to come and is, is giving the last rites uh, to Father Karras, uh, and he, he he needs to be super emotional, and, and he just can't get there. He can't make himself cry. He can't be in that moment of pain and shock and, and dismay. And so how did Friedkin get it out of him? He walked up, because he's a friend of his, and he's like, hey, we, we know each other, right? Do you love me? And he's like, yeah. And he just punches him in the fucking face, just fucking smacks him, and then shoves him in front of the camera and shouts action. Like, what the Man, I guess that
1: to me was like not surprising. Cause I right? heard that method used in other stuff. Right. And, and uh, that's
0: that I'm just uh, yeah. mentioning that as an, an intro, but the one that got me. In, oh, that in, was not the one. No, that this, this is just okay. a, like, he, there's this trend gotcha. of like, it's like, we're doing that. Yeah. Or like uh, when the guy is supposed to react with a uh, startle to the phone ringing, he didn't hear a phone <laughs> ringing on set. I fired off a rifle behind him. Jesus Christ. But the one that gets me.
1: Before, sorry, before you move on, I just have to tell you, knowing that and then watching that scene, I laughed hysterically because his reaction is so like, wow, like it is like a terrified reaction to a phone ringing. And now that I know that it was a rifle, I made a note because that is so funny and I will never, ever be startled. I laughed
0: so hard. This is a telephone ringing in the early 1970s when that was the only (laughs) kind of telephone ring that exists. He might have been a little yeah. startled, but not like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was oh, great. You can God. continue. I just, I also wrote down that because it, was it made fabulous. me laugh so no. hard. Now that I know <laughs> uh,
0: the the thing, and I've seen this documentary a couple of times now, and it's the same thing when he describes in detail uh, Mercedes McCambridge's process in getting to where she felt she needed to be to be able to pull off the voice of Pazuzu. Uh, in this film uh, I'm just like I don't even know what to say uh, about uh-huh. any of that. Uh, like <laughs> yeah she she's uh, used to be a terrible alcoholic and she smoked for a long time and 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 quit because I, I believe she had cancer maybe I'm mistaken uh, maybe I'm remembering it wrong. She's like okay, I can do this but here's what we're gonna need to do. you're gonna tie me to a chair in a weird position so I'm kind of in pain. And then I'm going to drink whiskey by the gallon, apparently, having never touched alcohol in years. I'm going to chain-smoke cigarettes, and I also need my two best-friend priests in the room to make sure I don't completely lose myself. What the and fuck, And to guys? eat a ton of eggs. And the eggs. Yeah, the eggs. <laughs> yeah, guys, Guys. We're making a fucking movie here. What's the what the fuck is happening? Like every time I hear that story, I, because don't get me wrong, uh, Mercedes McCambridge's voice work performance here uh, is crucial to the success of this film. It's amazing, but I'm just like, geez, like have you, have you guys never heard of acting? Like what the fuck, man? And and so that uh it gets me so intensely and again like I said people are like oh we'd never be able to make a film like this in this day and age well maybe maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing they don't really talk about it in this film but of course it's well known in that sequence where Regan is is swaying back and forth slamming up and down on the bed uh at the waist they f- fucked up uh her back like for the rest of her life making that movie. She's like a 14 year old girl. And they gave her like permanent spinal damage. What the
1: fuck? Uh, spinal damage was, uh, the mother whose name I have forgotten, uh, getting pulled backwards and breaking her back. Yes. That too. Um, Yeah. yeah, the Mercedes part, uh, i just really appreciated her as a committed actress and i wish that had been more well known before this documentary i don't think she got the credit that she deserved because everybody's obviously talking about the actors they can see uh and they're not talking about like the voice but the voice behind is what makes it and i don't think she got the credit that she deserved yeah because that is wild
0: yeah, it's, uh, it's one of the most insane uh, uh, bits of voice acting uh, that I have uh, I've ever experienced. And I'm a, I'm a fan of, of voice acting in general. I uh, Quick side tangent, I'm really depressed that we've reached this age where all the voices in the animated films are just celebrities using their own voice. I miss, mm-hmm. miss, miss, miss classic voice acting and this is one of the most impressive performances ever it's it's so great uh but uh learning how she did it is maybe a story i wish i never knew because holy (laughs) shit that's uh that was real intense um i also uh like again like i said i i feel like this uh uh film is is really good i i would say even if you're not necessarily the biggest fan of the Exorcist. You can learn a lot about basic film analysis from this movie. Uh Like, uh, for somebody who's just, you know, younger folks who are just learning about different things, he talks about oh, if you, you probably wouldn't have thought about it maybe just subliminally, but there are a lot of scenes of people going up stairways and up hills. There are a lot of ascending movements in this film. And uh, I always found it interesting. That even though uh, it, the like ascension is generally uh, considered a metaphor for you know rising to heaven or getting better, uh, I always found that element interesting because they had to ascend to get to where the demon was possessing Regan, right? So it's like hell is at the top of the ascension, and I always thought that was interesting. Um, you mentioned how he talks at the beginning about how like like I was in a lot of cases just going with my gut. Uh, And I think he does then throughout the rest of the movie sort of explain a little better that like he has looked back on it and been able Mm -hmm. to figure out why he did certain things like what influences led him to those places. And that's what I think he was trying to say is like, yeah, I can tell you now uh, at least what some of my influence uh, in this moment was because I've looked back on it myself but there's still a lot of it that maybe even I am just figuring out because in the moment while we were doing it, I was just going with my informed gut.
1: Yeah. Um, I want to talk about the theatrical version. Yes, the please do. Yeah. Yeah, because so... I did not know that there was an extended version. That is pretty much what I've been watching my whole life. <laughs>
0: oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That was released originally theatrically in the year 2000. Uh, And then there was a DVD version uh, released in 2004. The DVD version is slightly different again from the 2000 theatrical version. Uh, A couple of the spooky faces that they added in for the theatrical version they then took back out. Uh, for the DVD version so they're slightly different but yeah, over ba- basically there are two different versions of the film the one of course uh, is the theatrical version and then the other one it has the spider walk scene, uh, it has uh, all of uh, a lot more of those subliminal faces uh, in, in the shadows and in weird places in the film, there are a couple of, of uh, restored scenes that were cut from the original aside from the spider walk, yeah, two different films
1: interesting because yeah I have seen this many times uh last night when I re-watched it uh you had said to me oh this is the theatrical version uh not the extended which I prefer more and I was like oh, that's where my favorite scene went mm-hmm. because suddenly the spider walk was gone and I love that so so much and uh now I kind of want to go back and like watch it again but now it's the extended version and see like what's different between these two because I did not even know that I've been watching the extended version pretty much every time I've seen it because that spider walk scene has Always been there. There have always been different subliminal faces. So I was like, "What is going on?" I felt like yeah. I was on drugs and just like, <laughs> did I close my eyes and miss the spider walk somehow? Right. So I had no idea. I felt like I lost my mind. I was like, "Does that even exist?" Have I just been making up this scene in my head the whole time?
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's uh, terrifying. <laughs> uh, I uh, I had a similar experience. Just to make a brief tangent with uh, um uh John Carpenter's Halloween uh because after uh Halloween 2 was getting ready to go theatrically they finally put the original Halloween on TV uh but because it's na- it's already a, a somewhat short film and they had to edit it a bit for television because of the violence and 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 some language and things in the movie uh they actually went back and shot a couple of new scenes that got edited into the TV version that tie it more strongly to the to Halloween two, the theatrical film. And I, had, Halloween, I had seen several several times before. Uh, and then I wanted to see it again, but I didn't own a copy myself, so I went to a video store to rent it. And the version I rented was this weird version that was the original theatrical version, but also included those scenes that they added in for the TV <laughs> version. And I was like, I have seen this movie 15 times, and I have never seen these before. What the fuck is going on right now? And, I uh, think we
1: just need warnings before yes, movies yes, to tell you, tell like. Us. Like Clue Clue is my best example Because I used to watch Comedy Central a lot And they Mm -hmm. never showed The full ending of Clue And I'm still mad about it Sometimes I uh, Sometimes I'll just be sitting here And I'll just get upset About like How I saw the one ending of Clue Many many times And it didn't include All the alternates So uh, I think that movies Just need like (laughs) Instead of trigger warnings We need like This is slightly different You haven't lost (laughs) your mind There are four versions of this And this one has these scenes And I'm like Okay cool let's go because right. I I was very concerned that I had hallucinated the spider walk scene.
0: <laughs> nope.
1: Of like going down the stairs. I was nope. like, did that ever exist? Also, oh uh
0: there are uh in fact two different versions of the spider walk scene as well. Oh my one God. uh one where the uh, the tongue uh is sort of like a it's like a serpent tongue. Uh oh. and then I believe the other one is like a tongue of fire, if I'm not mistaken. It's a couple of uh, of uh, of slightly different versions of that scene, uh, but huh. um, yeah, uh, I, I'm
1: my, gonna try to find that. Yeah. I I myself
0: <laughs> I do prefer the original theatrical version. I I appreciate the spider walk scene, uh, but uh, I had al- of course I saw it later after I had already seen the original version of the film, uh, and also I just. Even for a movie released in the early 1970s, I thought the effects work on the spider walk scene, it was just a little too hokey uh, and uh, and sort of took me out of things. I, I, I didn't really buy it quite as much as I did the rest of the film. Uh, so it, I, I don't mind it not being there. But yeah, I can definitely understand how that would be a sort of a, a, a bizarre experience if you didn't even know that other version exists. It's like, wait, why did they yeah. cut this out? What the hell is going it, on? Especially
1: when watching a movie about possession and demons and stuff, I'm like, I am losing my mind. Oh God, I hallucinated right. demon scene. Yeah. Uh, not not good. Um, I did like the theatrical version aside from that one scene missing though. I had never seen the more condensed dense version and i was like okay i i like it, it starts very subtly For sure. um and amps up in a much more gradual manner which i yeah. really like um i know we're probably winding down soon but can we just talk about like of linda course. blair's parents letting her do this project
0: right, right? <laughs> it's uh, something again that you never really stop <laughs> to think about until they point it out but even something as simple as yeah, it's Mercedes McCambridge's demon voice that you hear in the movie, but obviously it has to match up with the mouth with Linda Blair's mouth movements. So she had to say everything that the demon says in this movie. Mm-hmm. And then not only does she has to say those things, she has to do those things. She has to be put through those torturous special effects situations. Yeah. Like what the fuck, man? Who who decided, yeah, it's perfectly okay for our daughter. We don't got a problem with that.
1: Yeah. And I mean, clearly she was a very good professional and, I could not have handled doing something like this at the age of fourteen without bursting into giggles and ruining everything. Right? When they're like, yeah. masturbate with a crucifix. I'd be like, <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, she she did it so well, and I'm really glad that uh, she got to go on in her film career and uh, play a part in S Club Seven in L. A. Because that was a very good show, and I'm really glad that she had this springboard from The Exorcist. I, she I, uh, yeah, that was <laughs> that
0: was the trajectory of her career. Is you know she. Yeah, she kind of got a little notice from The Exorcist, and then she springboarded to global celebrity stardom with S-Club 7.
1: (laughs) Yeah, there ain't no party like an S-Club party, so Uh, (laughs) I'm glad. But yeah, her parents are. I
0: I, I am kind of glad (laughs) you mentioned because, you know, uh, it is one thing about that sequence in The Exorcist uh, that has always been interesting to me. Um, And I think, uh, so in that scene, obviously, she's, she's violently masturbating with a crucifix, Uh, and screaming, let Jesus fuck you. But the very next thing she does then is grabs her mother's face, shoves her mother's face into her genitalia and screams, lick me. And that second part for me personally has always been way more over the edge than the first part. And I feel like people remember the first part more because of the line, let Jesus fuck you. Uh, mm-hmm. but to me like in in the overall like like I've always felt that that second portion is the way is is just if not more extreme just as extreme but nobody ever mentions that part they only mention the first part and I just wanted to point out that there are some real horrifying things in that movie I guess maybe is what I was um. I don't know
1: I think it's because the first one's like a life motto that you can live by. Uh, let Jesus fuck you is just something that you can, you know, just this is how I live my life. Whereas the second one, lick me, that's like just an action that's, uh, <laughs> taking place. So it's not like, it's not words to live by that I want on my tombstone when I die, like I do with Let Jesus.
0: You. i feel that, you that's fine. yeah
1: <laughs> it's a better tattoo material in the first part <laughs> yeah.
0: so guys yeah uh, obviously like i said if you've never seen the exorcist what are you doing with your life it's a legend for a reason it, like i don't think you can officially get your i'm a legitimate horror movie fan uh card until you see the exorcist so go do that if you've already seen it uh or once you have finally seen it I definitely recommend you go check out Leap of Faith and learn a whole lot more about it and then maybe go watch it again. Uh, Michelle, I think you pretty much are right on that same page, yeah?
1: Yes. Absolutely, and do not watch *Leap of Faith* from 1992, starring Steve Martin, which is the first thing <laughs> that popped up when I typed into IMDb. And I went, "Is this what we're reviewing?"
0: No, um, totally not. No. So
1: I did go through and update my notes with the full. uh Do not watch Steve Martin's *Leap of Faith*. Sure. it is a very different movie. There is no uh like, let Jesus.
0: I fuck do uh yeah. There's Martin. no there's no let Jesus fuck you in the Steve Martin *Leap of Faith*. Film.
1: Disappointing. Could be so much better. Uh,
0: let the let the preacher fuck you uh, metaphorically, maybe, <laughs> sure. but.
1: Uh, uh, I do also
0: (laughs) want to quickly point out uh, that uh, Alexander Philippe uh, has done several uh, documentaries about classic horror films. He has one called Uh, Memory, uh, which is the story behind uh, the making of uh, uh, Ridley Scott's Alien that is, uh, at least as of the time of this recording, also available on Shudder. I would assume it still will be by the time you're able to listen to this. He made a movie called uh, Doc of the Dead, uh, which is sort of about the zombie subgenre in general. He also made a movie that I particularly love that isn't really horror-based called The People vs. George Lucas Uh, which is all about uh, sort of uh, fan reaction in the Star Wars community to like the second Star Wars film trilogy and the way some things changed and and, uh, ultimately led to George Lucas, I would say in the long run, uh, divesting himself of the property to someone else entirely. Uh, I think it paints a very... Interesting uh, and uh, not particularly glamorous and, in my opinion, very accurate port- a portrait of how awful, frankly, a lot of the Star Wars fan base can be.
1: Oh, controversial. Um, This year he does have, or it has come out, a documentary called, called uh, Lynch Oz, which is Wizard of Oz documentary that I've been really looking forward to. But oh, awesome. Yeah. And I can't remember if it came out or if it's just not on streaming yet. Well, so, I'm going to have to keep uh, an eye check out for, for it. that. He he
0: mm-hmm. does a great job with this type of, of documentary work. So check out Leap yep. of Faith. Go check out The Exorcist again. Come back tomorrow for another spooktober episode of We Watch Ooh. Shudder. Ooh, what are we talking about?
1: Tomorrow we're talking about porn.
0: We're ta- Well, no, we're talking about porno. <laughs> we're talking about porn. Well, porno. it has
1: porn in it. Okay, you're, okay, you're not
0: wrong. Porno. Let Jesus fuck you. porno is the movie on tap for tomorrow guys thank you so much for listening to another episode say good night michelle
1: good night michelle